Welcome to Global Minnesota Podcast, connecting, informing, and engaging Minnesotans with the world and exploring important international issues. For a complete list of programs and to join us, visit globalminnesota.org. I want to welcome our um, first presenter and director of the Sundance Family Foundation, Peg Thomas, executive director, and Tim Roman, from co-founder of the and CEO of Ecotone, who you'll be hearing from as well. Peg, I'm turning the microphone over to you. Thank you again for joining us today. Thank you. Um, so I'm Peg Thomas with the Sundance Family Foundation. And um, we have, I, uh, I was here, was it last year? I was doing a presentation. And so this is really an extension of what we were doing last year. And I hope that you're gonna find it as exciting as, as we do. Um, our, uh, our goal is to really uh, work on a V-shaped recovery for uh, this pandemic and economic development. Um, I suppose I could stop and tell you, um, I've been with Grotto for our, with uh, Sundance for uh, about five years. Um, previous to this, I was with um, the Grotto Foundation, but also with a number of nonprofit organizations. And I was an independent consultant. Um, working with about 80 different nonprofits on strategic business and financial um, uh, solutions. And my, uh, my co-presenter uh, here, Tim Roman, do you want to introduce yourself as well? I'd love to. Can you hear me? Yes, I can. Great. Um, <clears throat> hi, everybody. My name is Tim Roman. I'm the CEO and co-founder of Ecotone Analytics. Uh, we're a Minneapolis-based social and environmental impact analysis organization. Um, it's been a wonderful project to work with Peg and Sundance Foundation over the, when, when, when did we work? April, May, June, I, I think is, was the duration of our project. Yeah, I think we started before things got really hot. <laughs> yeah, right, yeah, right. Um, but I wanna also shout out to Mark Ritchie, mm -hmm. who he probably doesn't remember this, but I first met Mark uh, when I was doing my MBA at Carlson and snuck through the tunnel over to Humphrey School and was in a class with uh, a woman named Catherine Quick uh, who brought him in to speak. And I remember the, the first time I met Mark way, way back when. And uh, I'll do the shout out to Mark too. Um, I don't, do you remember Mark when we were up on the White Earth Reservation having uh, coffee and probably, I don't know, chicken strips or something. <laughs> It was uh, when you were when you were actively campaigning for uh, Secretary of State. So uh, it's been a while, and I'm grateful to be here. Okay, let's get into this. So we want an impact. Um, this is the problem, as many of us in uh, Minnesota are woefully familiar with this, and that disparities, disproportionalities, inequity in Minnesota puts us at the bottom of uh, the national heap. I mean, the Pew Foundation in 2015 found us to be the worst state in all of our states for um, all of these things in education and healthcare. I mean, finance, access to capital. Um, but we focus now on <clears throat> unemployment for uh, people living in low-income areas, people living in communities of color and particularly disparities for young adults 18 to 24 who are the hardest hit in this pandemic 
let me just say, because um, no matter what, and we started this work when we had Minnesota unemployment of 3.2 average, everything was just going along and employers could not find their talent. Um, even at that time, those who are living in low income areas, those who are living um, in uh, communities of color, we're looking at four to six times that unemployment rate. So we started looking at what, what is the solution? And we were kind of naive, I think, in the solution because we thought the solution was you start in high school and right after high school, you go into a training program. Well, the Minnesota Council on Higher Education has stats that tell us that the next time somebody in Minnesota after high school gets a certification is 28 if they're white and 32 if they're black. And they won't get their, um, their bachelor's until 34 if they're white, 36 if they're black. So we have people in Minnesota, 50% of the people in Minnesota are going through their 20s on their high school diploma, which is crazy. So we developed this youth social entrepreneurship model, um, tried to brand youth social entrepreneurship in um, Minnesota and looked at nonprofits. We followed 16 nonprofits that had a model like this, which is positive youth development to create an agency, personal agency, confidence. I can work in a team. I can work alone. Um, community engagement, which is I am developing social capital. I have people who will refer me to a job or will help me if I'm having a, a challenge. And then uh, social entrepreneurship, we were seeing that, you know, access to capital, those kinds of things, you really have to create wealth before you get into that. With this model, this is great for high school, but it didn't get people into uh, jobs. So we then lifted our lens to working with youth out of high school, 18 to actually 24 plus. And we had, we developed this model, which is these are the impacts, economic, creating wealth, portable jobs, uh, uh, reliable um, and agile workforce for employers. And then we tried this stakeholder model. This is kind of the sausage model where you put the youth in and you have all these outcomes. What I really like though is Anna, um, Anne Marie um, Cupier at uh, uh, Summit Academy. Her model rocks and I wanna give her tons of credit because this is the model that we think really is going to um, help get youth out of poverty into um, middle career jobs. So what we're looking at quite uh, briefly is that if you're a high school kid um, or now a high school person in your 20s and you don't have a certificate or a two-year degree or a four-year degree, you're looking at 21,000. With short-term training, we might be able to get you to 35,000 but as we all know, it's not just training, it's training and supports and mentoring, and then some on the job experiences that are curated. 
So here's the leap at 35,000 that you get into a job. And we have been looking at those companies in manufacturing uh, and business in Minnesota that will provide um, the supports, the retention supports, the apprenticeships, the mentoring, the training that guide people from 35,000 to a middle skills career that is 50,000 to 73,000. Well, now you can support a family, right? In Minnesota, um, the median income is 73,000. So this gold trajectory here, this whole thing is gonna take three to five years. So how do we follow that using the SDGs? Um, you are all familiar with this slide, so I'm moving on. Um, we decided to focus on um, really on SDG 8, which is decent work and income. And in particular, the SDG um, 8.1, uh, and I'm going to uh, 8.B.1. Um, but in hitting that, we, we actually nick some of these other SDGs as well. So let me start off by uh, showing you what we think an earn and loan program really entails. Oasis for Youth is a nonprofit organization in Bloomington, Minnesota, uh, where we serve 16 to 24 years old up to their 25th birthday on just 101 case management services. We are a vital community asset to empowering youth at risk of homelessness to believe in better futures filled with hope, stability, and self-fulfillment. So what's a really cool opportunity about the Maven program and being able to shadow someone is that they're already getting their foot in the door. People who are in these departments have connections. And so it's just really expanding their opportunities, their network, and being able to pursue what they want to pursue. You know, we have statistics that show that youth who are doing ongoing case management services, they are sustaining their employment for a longer period of time of youth who maybe access us for only one time or not at all. But this earn and learn like process of training before employment is going to be the new big thing. And it's really going to change how pursuing a career is going to look like. So the question is, and I'm going to turn this over to uh, Tim, but um, how do you how do you evaluate um, a process that takes five years that goes from uh, you know, a starting point through multiple organizations and comes out with a success? And that's one of the reasons that the SDGs are so attractive is it's a longitudinal map that we can all jump in on um, and we can show our individual uh, indicators and we can all work towards common goals, which is something I've been in, again, in nonprofits and in foundation work for decades. And I haven't seen this kind of singular alignment, so I'm thrilled. Um, we use the information from our LOI application in May. So this was, we engaged with Ecotone Analytics we set this up, we got um, some data about what they could contribute, what are the indicators, and we gave them quite a few. 
and asked what they, um, how they could inform us about those indicators. And then we turned it over to Tim, like I'm going to turn it over to Tim now to tell us. So Tim, how is this sausage made? <laughs> well, since you asked, um, thanks, Peg. Um, it was great working with you and Nancy and your team um, during the course of the project. Um, I want to make a little bit of a connection between that awesome uh, graphic from Summit Academy and, the, and what you're looking at on the, on the page right now. Because if you'll remember, the Summit Academy, Academy graphic is like the growth in wages along that, that um, continuum. And that could almost work as an overlay uh, to the Ecotone graphic. Um, but in addition, to introduce a little bit about Ecotone and our methodology, um, we do research-informed cost-benefit analysis for social and environmental impacts. And that means we take social research and applied economics and match that together, um, figure out what those outcomes are from a given initiative, what the costs are, and then figuring out what the value is of those different outcomes and create that cost-benefit ratio, which is expressed as a social return on investment. Um, and then we add to that this type of data visualization so that you can see the flows of the different types of outcomes and their value. And then if you read across the diagram, you can see to whom those benefits accrue. Um, so when we do this analysis, our um, clients get a lot of insight about their cost structure and, what it, and the types of outcomes and value that's being created. Um, for, and side note, for those that are non-monetizable, we also acknowledge in our reporting that there are a lot of qualitative outcomes that may not, may not be readily monetizable, but are also of significant impact. Um, but then when you can see to whom those benefits accrue, a lot of our um, clients use this kind of representation in our work product for fundraising. Um, and so it's easy to kind of identify on this side over here, who is gaining value out of a given uh, intervention so that you can go talk to them and get them to contribute back on the back end side if they're gaining a significant amount of value. Um, so for, for this project, um, Peg approached us with, they knew that their theory of change wanted to be based on, um, on SDG 8.B, uh, 8.B.1. And um, let's see if I have that at my fingertips. Well, actually I, I do. And yep. it's, um, it's creating the existence of a developed and operationalized strategy for youth employment as a distinct strategy and part of a larger employment strategy, either for the area, the region, or the nation. Thank you. Um, so based on the Sundance Foundation's theory of change and the data that they had aggregated from their partners, um, Ecotone did a research review on evidence-informed best practices to estimate the effect size or the effects and outcomes um, of their core strategies to identify these key outcomes as, as things such as you see in the graphic, lifetime earnings, job retention, improved mental and, and uh, emotional health. Um, and these are the outcomes that we analyze that work towards driving that impact towards SDG uh, 8.B.1. Now, the actual, um, the actual indicator, 8.B.1, is not a numeric target or a key ratio, um, but, it's, but it's stated as the existence of an operational strategy. Um, so we help Peg and her team identify the performance indicators uh, that drive the outcomes 
and provide a data feedback loop for performance and scale. So being able to do the analysis, derive key, derive key indicators and know what that data is for them to have that feedback um, is checking off in a, in a way that would be accepted by um, rational people that you've got an operational strategy um, that you're doing, that this is something over time in a systematic way with feedback loops and, and a high amount of um, data and, and research behind that. Um, so you, let's see. So you, you can see here, this is from the technical documentation, um, but there's a number of different uh, KPI outcomes. Some of them are output type numbers um, and from the scale KPIs, and some are quality type indicators, um, and some are impact type indicators like projected increase in lifetime earnings, median wages, and increase in employment rates. Um, Peg, can you flip back for a second to, sh did we have the logic model in the first one? Oh, no. Oh, you know what? I don't. I didn't. Uh, I can look for it if you no want. No, no worries. Uh, the part at the bottom that <laughs> also has a logic model for it. So you can kind of see how the short, intermediate, and long-term uh, outcomes all, all link together. Um, so, um, so, you know, in a nutshell, um, this is going to allow the foundation to manage and me measure performance going forward and report on alignment to the goal. Um, the, the, so the graphic is what the value of the out outcomes look like, and the KPI slide from, that, from the technical documentation shows that impact data. Um, so now the foundation has the ability to show that they're running an operationalized strategy uh, to a level that can be reported annually to investors, uh, stakeholders, and other partner organizations. And this has been, uh, I'll tell you, really helpful um, in a couple of ways. Um, one is that our, uh, one of our goals, and I love this from Anna, uh, I, I don't know if you're on this call, but Anna at West Central Initiative, you are my hero. Um, she's actually taken the SDGs and used her strategic plan so she can do this because she's looking, she's working on basically all cylinders, you know, all SDGs. And we're working on primarily on one with, you know, ripple effects of more, sort of. I mean, there's a little uh, surprise here I'm going to throw at you. And that is we can be working on all of these if we just think more strategically as foundations. So before getting to that, I wanna tell you that um, one of our goals, I'm gonna keep Anna's um, strategic plan up there because I can't look at it enough, um, is that we, we're working with um, 16 to 20 uh, grantees right now. We've told them about this project. We've asked them if they could collect the data. Some of them can, collect some indicators. Some of them had said, no, that's a little private confidential. We can't ask for their wages. We can't ask for this, that, and the other. So they're giving us the data that they feel they can give, which is good. But we're all kind of moving towards the same goal. And I, honestly, our evaluation is not going to be coming into our door and staying three feet from where we got it. I mean, we're actually going to be able to maybe demonstrate that together we're really moving the mark here on workforce development, um, which again, is going to be absolutely key for our kids. 
Um, all right, so um, the thing that I wanted to to jump down here and tell you is that in in a pandemic and specifically for foundations, SDGs is going to be critical. And I have to tell you my own take Thomas theory on this. And that is that um, we've been using this on the grant side and the program side to find out our indicators in the grants and program side. Susan Hamill and other um, people have been using this on the asset management side and acquisition. Uh, and they've been showing how ESGs, how um, they've been using the SDGs to measure the effect of investments. And so suddenly the CFOs are be able, going to be able to talk to the program officers and use the same dashboard, which is revolutionary in foundation management. Up till now, we've had this, this mythology that people on the finance side come from the business community, look at ROIs, they tolerate this, you know, grants making and the program stuff as you know, social work, um, and that it's not really linked to making money so that you can do that work. Now, if we're using these SDGs, we're on, we're all on the same page. I mean, the, the business, I, I have that MPA, the, and so does Susan Hamill from Kennedy, um, the business people and the grants management people, we're, we're like talking together, and we're building this together. What's key is that in the next 24 months, you are gonna see an attack on foundations like we had in 86, in the end of the 90s, and then in 2008, which is why are these foundations holding all these assets and giving out 5% when they should be opening the doors and giving and spending down all of their assets? I mean, this is a pandemic. And we have to have cogent answers to that. And one is that we're using our 5% uh, payout. We're doing all this work with SDGs there. And the passive income, the passive assets that we have are actually being targeted at fulfilling these SDGs. And we're moving into more asset management like CDFIs or PRIs, um, using our money to actively invest in our communities. So we're beginning to open our financial portfolios, add our programming and grants portfolio, and we're putting it all together as Anna has demonstrated uh, up there in West Central. So um, that is uh, pretty much what we wanted to say today. Tim, do you want to throw in a couple of other comments? Um, well, I'm glad that you mentioned Cogent and Cogent and uh, Consulting and Susan Hamill. They've been a great supporter of the work that Ecotone does. Um, and I think it's kind of a, you know, it's a, it's a, there's a group of us out there, right? Um, and the people on this call that are looking for new ways to have dashboards and measures to be able to manage uh, impact more actively. Um, so we're definitely, as a, as a company, Ecotone has positioned ourselves to be able to be uh, part of that ecosystem in a way that brings you the highest, highest quality numbers, really, 
um, in a way that looks sort of like business intelligence um, from the business community. Um, but that kind of business intelligence is being used in municipalities for budgeting and data collection and impact data. Um, and, and so we're endeavoring to bring A, this kind of social research and social impact data into the business community, but also elevate kind of the, the, the dashboarding and kind of data that's present, uh, that's present, present in the foundation and philanthropy uh, sector as well. So, um, and I want to, I want to also give a shout out to Nancy Jacobs. Um, she couldn't be with us on this call. She is the founder, president and CEO of Sundance. And um, my hat off to Nancy, and it's a joy to work with you. Um, I'm not sure, she's Colorado right now. <laughs> In that um, uh, she, she has done both sides of this. I mean, here I am talking about SDGs, and we've organized our programming, our metrics, our evaluation around SDGs on the program and grant side. But she has been a leader in impact investing and has been a stakeholder advocate for Trillium. Um, for, uh, she's worked closely with Susan. She's uh, a Lodium, a number of asset managers in demonstrating that you can have a, uh, a foundation that has uh, ESG uh, assets that are impacting uh, a triple bottom line um, at 85% of your assets. Um, which in the beginning when she was doing this was seen as kind of crazy and now is seen as really uh, prudent and um, forward thinking. So uh, with that, Mark. Thank you, Peg, and thank you, Tim. And um, I have one question that somebody else had asked me before I want to kick off with. And that's, um, this is uh, very appropriate to uh, having our round table and this presentation because it's right in the middle of the United Nations, what is normally the General Assembly, the UNGA as it's sometimes called. It's not in person where New York City gets taken over, but it is virtual and there's a lot of sidebar activity and a lot of it is focused on the sustainable development goals. And in everything from partnerships, which is goal number 17 to a very specific focus on each of the other 16. So um, the question is, uh, is there uh, a kind of an international discussion underway about various approaches to both gathering data, measuring impact from that data, and then presenting it in user-friendly, you know, non-jargon, non, uh, you know, uh, initial, but, you know, really putting it into the kind of format that you guys use. What do you know about others around the planet who share your mission and passion for measuring and getting it out there? Yeah. Um, one, you know, we align, we're, we try not to black box our, our work. What does um, that mean? By hiding it in dense, <laughs> something so dense and you, impenetrable. You guys, we got it. a lot of folks on this watching. You got a black box. Say what that is. Thank you. you got a black box. You hide the algorithms and your research and the out, out and the how the sausage is made behind a firewall, and you never show it to anybody except the the final scoreboard numbers. Um, and so we align you to a number. Yeah. We we can. I mean, people do that. Um, we align to international best, best practices, um, and one of them is Social Value International. 
Social Value UK consolidated a lot of these, the this, this seven principles for um, the kind of social return on investment work that we do. And some of the key principles are transparency and auditability. Those are, those are two things that transparency, auditability, and, and being conservative and realistic in the contribution. Um, so that's a discussion that that we're often a part of and we're part of the, the conferences and, the, and the, the discussions that go on there. Another one of the con conversations that's global that we're participating in is the Impact Management Project or IMP. And the IMP um, was really begun by a lot of institutional investors that came together saying, look, we need a way to, roll, to, to have portfolio signals that are roll up. Uh, so we know the who, what, where, when, and why, and how much really of what the assets in a given impact portfolio are doing. So we align to that framework as well. Um, as we're having these conversations, um, we do realize that we're a little bit unique even globally in our use of data visualization. And so I wanna call out to Arlene Burt and Background Stories, who is our data visualization partner. Um, Arlene is a, an instructor in data visualization at the Minneapolis College of Art and Design. And we met her probably, I'm gonna say in 20, mid 2017. And she was looking at our spreadsheets and she said, oh my gosh, this gives me goosebumps. And I almost fell off my chair because most people were yawning at that point and saying, I just want that one number in the corner. Um, but Arlene took, uh, took the challenge presented by our data and came up with this asymmetrical Sankey diagram that's able to show you know, the growth of the return on the investment and then those flows of outcomes. And, they're pro and really it's kind of the proportionality of the different values of outcomes that really engage with people's, what, whichever side of the brain uh, engages with that. Um, and that's where we've found a lot of differentiation in the market as we talk globally to people like UN Ops uh, or to our partners in Buenos Aires called Almado uh, that do like stakeholder forward uh, interviewing before you engage in an in a intervention project in a, in a given area. Um, but um, yeah, we've gotten a lot of, we're very aligned to those two things, SBI and IMP and the SDGs obviously um, and our finding some some differentiation with the data visualization. Peg, you want to jump in? Yeah, yeah, no, always, always. Um, Peg, you're muted. Oh, I am. No, you're not. Uh, hello, I'm not muted. You're not muted, keep you're going. Good. Great, great. Uh, Gail Peterson, Jim Lift with uh, Peterson Consulting, and Gail at uh, Oxford uh, University, where um, she is heading a program that looks at, uses SDGs in uh, what, 20, 30 different countries. Um, she does case studies. Um, she has been working with the Minneapolis Foundation. I'm so thrilled because another foundation that is looking at SDGs. So now we've got Anna, we've got us, we've got the Minneapolis Foundation where we, I would really like us to get the Minnesota Council on Foundations to adopt the SDGs. So I need everybody who's out there to help me do this advocate that they uh, they use this as the um, as the indicators. Great. I want to reference people to the chat because Scott Cole has put up, uh, how about the good life goals, keep things simple, but I'll directly align the SDGs with a nice there link so people can look that up. Um, and then there was a question uh, for Peg. How are you using the Ecotone learnings and assets today 
and how do you plan to use them in the future? So um, thank you for that. Uh, we, um, we are noticing with an SROI that for every dollar that is put into a nonprofit um, for training, there is a $3.50 return. Unfortunately, the nonprofits are not going to see that $3.50 return. And that is divided. And I think we can go back to um, the slide. Um, it's divided the, between the, the, uh, the percentage of that is divided between the youth taxes and, and employers. Um, so nonprofits that get the money and then don't, don't see the financial return really have to get access to larger grants, larger um, foundations, uh, national, international opportunities. And we're thinking that this kind of framing is helpful. Non um, Sundance Family Foundation, we're a small fish in this little, in this big pond. Um, we think that one of the things that we can do is help the nonprofits that we're working with get to the next level and, and be able to catch those bigger fish. And so we are working, we were in the past, we were working with 14 nonprofits and we help them build their back offices so that they could capture and report on this information. And now we're working with another 16 to 20 to do the same thing here. So I think it's leveraging, you know, we're using this to leverage. So uh, got a great reminder that uh, for folks who want to get that uh, link to the Good Life Goals, you're going to just have to Google it, Good Life Goals, because you can't see the posting up there. Sorry about that. But Good Life Goals, another one of those examples of people looking at measuring impact and then making it presented in ways that can stimulate both understanding of the actual impact in the broader context of the SDGs. I know that... Um, uh, there are a number of foundations that are, uh, you know, using the SDGs, sometimes like a symbol, you click on it, the one of their program areas and behind it, uh, you'll see how it's interrelated. A lot of our companies now are using that the symbolic. And so um, uh, one of the questions that come up uh, again for you, Peg, is what's the advice that you have uh, for people who want to follow your lead and uh, don't really know where to start. So thinking about somebody watching you today, they want to see how could we be uh, more intentional, like Anna is up in Fergus, like you've been. Um, where's a good first baby step to get going? Thank you. Well, the first one is, I think, to begin to realize that your asset base and your programs and grants um, have the same dashboard. I mean, that is an odd concept for everyone in your foundation. And to then find this SDG um, dashboard and begin to begin the journey of finding which ones of these align with the mission and the funding that you are doing on the um, grants and programs side and identify, don't identify all of them. I mean, obviously we're, we're nicking at some of them, but we're pretty heavily on SDG 8, uh, SDG strategy B.1, you know, the, that's, that's where we're, that's our theory of change is we're going to make sure that there is a, um, 
uh, a specific youth develop workforce development system, which there is not now. I mean, if you're a 20 year old and you're looking for a job, it's pretty tough. You know, you don't know where to go. And, and there isn't this kind of thing happening. There's so much siloing coming up, but back to the point of, um, of uh, foundations, it's uh, analyzing your grant making and your programming to, to find what are your um, program goals that align with these sustainable goals. And then it, it actually takes some time to realign the, um, the, the, the questions, the indicators that you're using to create your evaluation. Um, and then on the asset side, um, trying to figure out which of these goals um, are your, your asset allocation is, uh, is hitting is, is a little bit more complex. Um, so, Peg, that's a really great overview. And uh, like thinking about a foundation, Tim, you've been helping people, the big business side, the little tiny business side, the social business side, any advice to throw out for somebody um, uh, from your work with General Mills, Regenerative Ag, or any of the other stuff? Yeah, and it all kind of has to do, I mean, all these themes that are coming together, even back to Scott's thing about the good life goals. Mm -hmm. um, Mark, when we usually engage with a client, they've got a strategy developed, mm -hmm. they've got activities developed, um, and they've got usually a small pile of data, maybe, maybe not, we're economists, so we can fill in the blanks. But if you think about kind of how the logic, or how a theory of change or logic model reads from left to right, or even our graphic, how that reads from left to right, that's usually the way that we approach when we engage with the client. And so we look at the, we look at their logic model, their activities, and then begin doing research on their outcomes, and then see, see how those map to the SDGs, to put handles on it for funders, let's say. But if you're going to start from the problem solving side, and this is what the good life goals do, basically they take the SDGs as a, a bag of Skittles, uh, categorize Skittles, and tell you on a personal level what you can do um, to affect that SDG. But, you know, that's an easy entry point for folks. Um, it makes it, it just mm -hmm. makes the ease of entry and understandability a little bit lower leap. But if you were to, um, if we're really to adopt these as a global framework in which we can affect change and have met, met, metrics and coordination, when you begin from this side, um, you can begin to see which of these goals uh, has, is associated with what kind of out, with what kind of stakeholders, and then what kind of what kind of outcomes are associated with that stakeholder, and then walking back to what kind of activities are associated with those types of outcomes that you want to see benefit the stakeholders back up to the SDG. So really, kind of if you're innovating or beginning as a, a startup social enterprise, really thinking back from the impact you want to, um, to have through the beneficiaries to the types of outcomes, back to the activities, and then to the cost structure associated with that. Is so Tim, let me, let me break this down for folks. So there's like an individual, if you wanna uh, help cut traffic fatalities and injuries in half by 2030, you can work to end distracted driving. 
or you could yourself quit using the cell phone. So that's that way. Right. Then there's uh, nonprofits and companies. We're talking smaller now for the moment uh, that are already in motion. They know what they want to do, what they are doing. They got some data. Uh, can they call you up and get a free one hour interview to see if they qualify for the program? Something well, like Mark, that. Uh, yeah. As you know, under COVID, I probably yeah, under COVID. Okay. Then you took us to Zoom interviews a week. Yeah. <laughs> and so you took us then to a third category, which are folks who passionate about X, Y, and Z, the march towards war that we seem to be on, uh, the new Cold War people want to create, or climate change and climate crisis. And if you are that stage, there's a way that the SDGs can be a kind of a pre that can help you then get precise and help you build out. So these are really different areas where people are watching today or people who will watch the recording of this uh, can pick up on those different parts and peg adding how this is if let's say you're in a foundation or just in your own personal giving a kind of an analysis or your personal investing of your 401k or or, or your um, you know retirement. What's great about this is that um, I, I've noticed some other GHR foundation uh, foundation here in the Twin Cities that's been SGG focused for really long time. But what's great about it is that when you go to their website, and I encourage people to do it, it gives you that program area. And if you're interested in that area and you click on it, then behind it, they'll discuss which of the SDGs it has an overlap with. So that's another sort of information thing. It's, it, it's not the sort of precision of economic analysis of impact, but it says, you know, um, you know, I woke up today and I said, you know, I just got to spend the rest of my life working on climate, mm. you know, that, you know, that, or taking care of kids or dealing with gender inequity. And so once you do that, then you can use these more um, up higher level tools that then can be applied as precisely as you can. And the fact that Ecotone exists here in the Twin Cities, super important. The fact that PEG has been able to apply SDG thinking to a very specific thing, which is youth entrepreneurship, which addresses a broader issue of inequity and economic instability. And Lord, have we jumped into economic instability since we started planning today's presentation. But this is an indication that the SDGs are gonna be enduring, that there's something about the approach which sometimes I've heard people say it's kind of governance by goals or living your life by goals. You want to reduce traffic fatalities in half, you got a goal. Mm -hmm. You want to reduce youth unemployment by X, you have a goal. And um, I think that part is, uh, you know, it, it gives me some comfort about the future because we are, we are just learning. We are just learning. I don't know. Um, if there are other questions that people would like to post, um, you know, this has been a stimulating discussion about sort of uh, a real life example that's working. And uh, uh, Peg, what is interesting is it was probably just about one year ago when you presented broadly what was the thinking and we could all say, yes, go for it. <laughs> yeah, go for it, Peg, do that work. And come back and tell Thank us how it you. goes. But you came back with a partner, uh, yeah. with somebody yeah. who 
partners yeah. with somebody else because uh, probably the economic nerds that can pull data down and make it sweet can probably not get as goosebumpy as maybe <laughs> others might be for making it a way that people can do it. And in general, I believe the SDGs in a way give us a chance to practice our skills of better explaining. You know, it's on hunger, you know, it's zero hunger. Okay, that's the goal by 2030, zero hunger. You know, good health and well-being for all at all ages. You know, I mean, I just feel like the one of the genius aspects of the STG that we're maybe uncovering is that by being quantitative, it gives us opportunity to then measure, but also by being fairly clear, it makes it possible for our friends and ourselves to communicate to the broader public. And you've done it in spades. It's just uh, so great to see. And I'm hopeful that as we participate in those global conversations, that we take this model out, you know, and usually there's a lot of SDG stuff in, around the planet, but then that gives us a chance to learn from others. Yeah. And, and that opportunity. Refine it. And, yeah. and, and what I really want is to recast um, foundations as using this model for, for both sides. Um, but the other one that I wanted to come back to is um, we work with nonprofits. Many, most of the nonprofits that we work with have uh, operating budgets that are um, under a million dollars or probably under five million for sure. And so when we're talking about, you know, oh, you just uh, hire an economist to come in and build your, well, a lot of them are going to turn off. So here's what you do the, um, the other way. The 75 Excel spreadsheets that you have all over your office on 12 different computers, you can get Salesforce, let's start with that, for free. Um, you can get a nonprofit, and if you go to www.sundancefamilyfoundation.org resource page, it will show you how you get your nonprofit Salesforce. And I'm not plugging Salesforce, but I'm just saying that it's not proprietary. We also have developed two tools that you can use to do pre and post surveys on workforce. Um, we use the WIOA tool. We used a a youth retrospective tool. And we did that because they're open source. They're not gonna, you don't have to pay anything to use them. Um, so there are some tools out there that you can use to begin to move from paper and pencil, if, if that's your environment as a nonprofit or a business, to kind of upping it a little bit um, more. So there are ways of doing it that are affordable and the second thing that I wanted to say is, besides the affordability is, um, is that um, I was worried when we uh, did these SDGs um, that we were replicating the information that we were getting from nonprofits. I mean, how do you, a nonprofit is working with a kid and they're talking about, or, or an adult or a senior or whatever, and they're talking about their impact if we talk about the impact, is that doubling or replicating it? And I finally realized that for some people, you can have dozens of touches on that person 
you are not measuring the touches on that person. You're measuring the, the bigger goal, which is, is that person now out of poverty? Is that person now, and it doesn't matter if there's 15 touches on that person. So it wasn't replicating the uh, getting to that larger goal. And I think that's really a big key. We've been counting heads. We've been doing demographic data. Um, we have not looked at process data, at um, all this data that gets people out of poverty, you know? We haven't been doing that, so. Great point and great thing. Tim, any last words for the, for the road? Yes, absolutely. <clears throat> so I wanna piggyback on what Peg just said about this being a continuum and an ecosystem of resources that have to fight these, these goals and these problems that we have. Um, you know, Mark, you've got a, a cross-sector, multi-sector background. And as Ecotone works through projects with municipalities, with corporates, with corporate foundations, with community foundations, with family offices uh, and nonprofits, we're able to see and envision a world where the SDGs are a unifying language and a unifying set of goals across those sectors. Um, so Mark and Peg, like in your opinion, what, it, what could that co cross-sector collaboration look like? What kind of scoreboard uh, or game board does a, does a, a region or the globe need probably a regional regional ecosystem of of these cross sector actors. But what what would that look like if we're able to, you know, get a line of sight into what what those different actors are funding, and is there over overweighting of investment or underweighting of investment in some key area? Yeah. What do you guys see the future being like? Well, you know, if we want to take that as a jumping off point. Uh, Anna from Fergus, we've talked about the great work there, but she brought back this information that Canada, uh, through their system of community foundations and other, is in fact mapping their entire country on SDGs and impact. I'll promise to look in to see if there's a way we could get our next roundtable focus on a presentation that brings us up to speed about what our good friends north of the border are doing and what that might be as a spur to some further work that we could do here as well. So and thank you for raising that. Bring it down can here. Reach down and- uh, Yeah, I think Fergus Falls has joined Canada, but I don't know <laughs> how to say that publicly, but thank you very much, Peg. Thank you very much, Tim. Thank you for being leaders on this and thank you to everyone and see you next quarter. Bye now.